Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. My guest today represents Sugar House Investments, and he helps busy professionals just like you create passive income through pre-vetted commercial real estate syndication. And you can get your free report, Stock versus Real Estate, and I want you to know that it is a compelling argument in favor of real property. He is the co-manager of Sugar House Investments, and here he is, Bradford Shepard. Thank you, Bradford, for coming on uh, my show today. I'm very grateful, and uh, I think we can begin by you telling us a little bit about yourself and the organization that you represent, Bradford, if you would. Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much for for having me on your show. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll give you the you know the quick background. I've actually been involved in real estate for twenty years. It's what what I did my internship during college for. I worked uh, in between my junior and senior year um, when I was getting a finance degree. I went and worked with a large commercial real estate uh, firm up in Seattle. I had a blast because. It was a firm that was dealing, wheeling and dealing in skyscrapers and shopping malls. And I knew that was the, uh, that was the direction I wanted to go. There you go. There Came you. back from that. And when life took me a different direction, but so I, I didn't end up in that specific industry, but everything I've done has always had real estate as an element to it mm-hmm. um, from long distance vacation rentals to development and management of hospitality and retail operations. And my wife and I, we moved to Texas about 11 years ago. We spent 10 years there. And there I did a little bit more of the active fix and flipping, wholesaling, and that kind of stuff. And it was in 2017, after doing that for four or five years, I realized, boy, I, I really don't like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like the the door knocking and the yellow letters and the dealing sure. with contractors and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I switched over to commercial real estate. And I found a niche in, in, in large commercial deals as a... Uh, primarily as a capital raiser. So today, that's exclusively what I focus on. I actually went and got my securities licenses Mm -hmm. so I could keep everything uh, on the up and up. And I partner with successful operators to bring capital to their deals um, as a licensed broker-dealer representative. So Mm -hmm. um, I can represent both sides fairly and equally and help everybody make money. So that's where I sit today. There you go. Very good. You can do business in all the contiguous uh, 48 plus uh, the other two states. That, that's correct. We even have some okay. international investors too. So oh, wow. okay. uh, the licenses apply a little differently in in that, in those scenarios, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're, or we can work with investors in any location. Okay. So primarily it's commercial property. And right. uh, I know that, uh, it, well, passive income is what we're talking about. So uh, for the sake of my audience, uh, give us a definition of what passive income is all about. Yeah, sometimes people get a little, you know, this definition can get a little um, muddy sometimes. People mm-hmm. think about owning a rental property as passive. And as somebody who has been a landlord, who still is a landlord, I would say that is not very passive, even mm-hmm. with a good property manager in place, oh, yeah. especially not with a without a property manager. There's no way that's passive. Mm-hmm. Um the way I define passive is it really is simply a contribution of capital. 
you you contribute your capital into the deal and you have no hands-on responsibility control management whatsoever you are relying on the operating partner the general partner to go out there and and and, and provide a good return using the capital that we have contributed and so it truly is hands-off and that's how i would define it mm-hmm. very good so what we're talking about is a syndication correct a syndication. correct okay. that's right i know that uh, some may look at that word you know as maybe coming with a uh, you know not too favorable uh, connotation you know but um, uh, how would you define a real estate syndication yeah, in, in its simplest sense, it really is just a group investment. It's a group mm-hmm. of investors coming yeah. together to secure a property that would be out of reach for a single individual. Uh, you know, if it's you're going to go buy a fourplex, a, a single family rental, a duplex, even maybe an eightplex or 10, 10 unit apartment mm-hmm. building. You know, most most folks can do that by themselves or themselves and a spouse, maybe a partner. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a 200 unit apartment complex and it's millions of dollars to purchase that, it generally takes a group of people coming together. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're buying it in cash. It's still, you know, the bulk of the capital is provided by uh, bank financing, but we have to come up with the the down payment, the uh, the cash reserves, the capital expenditure budget, you know, to go in there and improve the building and execute our business plan. Um, but it's simply just, it's, it's very similar to a, a fix and flip model, but instead of doing mm-hmm. one unit, we're doing 200 units or 300 mm-hmm. units collectively as a group coming together to make that possible. Mm-hmm. Is that a buy and hold, uh, Bradford? In in the sense that, I, I don't know that we would define it as that, you know, because generally we, we, we go into these deals with a set time horizon generally three to seven years is pretty typical Mm -hmm. uh and and so there's an end date in sight for this entity for this relationship where we expect to return the capital to the investors where i mean there are some operators that project holding indefinitely and Mm -hmm. that that can be really favorable for long time long-term returns for tax implications Um, but generally our our partners we're looking to exit in about that somewhere in that three to seven year horizon so Mm -hmm. it's you're experiencing long-term capital gains uh as opposed to short-term capital which is more typical in a fix and flip on a residential side but it is you know with an end date in mind Mm -hmm. very good well i i like that um so it um in terms, I know you 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 speak of earning passive income in four easy steps. Would you be so kind and expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, you know, we my job is to make it really easy for busy individuals who are already successful but busy doing what mm-hmm. they do and what they know best to sure. find solid operators, solid deals, and 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 connect with them. In what in, in in what we call a pre-vetted, hassle-free investment opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and and so really for us, when we're working with pr- prospective investors, it's a get-to-know-you phone call. We want we want to know a little bit about you, uh, what your goals are, what stage of life you're in, your real estate investing experience, etc. And then from there, we're able to put our open opportunities that are suitable for that individual in front of them to make a, make a judgment call, whether they to, to say, mm-hmm. yep, Hey, that looks interesting to me or no, thanks. Not, not right now. 
somebody says, yes, that, that looks interesting to me. We're going to provide a full investment package where they can really dive into the, the, the full prospectus, the full um, private placement memorandum. Mm -hmm. um, and then should they like everything they see there, they sign that PPM, they wire in their funds and we're off and running. That's really all it takes. Mm -hmm. So it's a get to know you. It's a see, see a deal, like a deal execute paperwork and, and wire funds and then sit back and relax and enjoy the returns. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and it doesn't get more complicated than that because there is no control. There is no decision-making abilities for the business plan, for the management of the, of the, of the, of the property. And so it really is at that point, you're sitting back and just watching those returns and those reports come in. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as projecting, uh, do you provide, uh, of course, it's kind of hard to, hold anyone to a, um, uh, how would you say, hard and fast uh, uh, return of investment. Uh, right. Do you have an idea? Can you give us a range or some thought on that? Yeah. You know, so I have to be really careful as far as projecting yes. and exactly. advertising returns. Exactly. Um, and there's no such thing as guarantee in investing, nope. right? Everything comes with a risk. Um, but that's one of the reasons I, I really love hard assets like real estate because you can mitigate a lot of those risks. Mm -hmm. But most of our deals, they have what's first of all called a preferred return. And that mm -hmm. preferred return means that the, the investors, they have to earn that return before the operators, the general partners can receive any proceeds from the operations of the deal. And, and that preferred return is generally somewhere in that 8% range. So that means, again, I'm not going to use the word guaranteed, but that's the threshold that the operators have to achieve before they can take any profits from the from the deal. And so that's kind of the floor. And that really is the floor because we're going to aim to blow that out of the water. Um, we have, with that caveat that past performance is no guarantee of future results, right. we've done really well. I mean, like, like everybody over the last decade, it's hard. Not, it's been hard not to do really well, but we have had some deals, you know, it's very common to be in the high 20s, low 30s type of IRRs for our investors. We're not mm -hmm. expecting, um, you know, that to continue in as rapid fire as what we've experienced in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Sure. Um, but it is, you know, we don't project that, but we certainly, that's, in the back of our mind, that's what we're looking to achieve for our investors. So they walk away thrilled yeah. and excited to do another deal with us. Yeah, very good. You know, we hadn't talked about this, but the, uh, you know, in light of the economy, you know, the, the uh, uh, many will argue we're, we are in a recession and some will, will argue otherwise, you know. Right. What, are, what are your thoughts on that as far as what you're doing? Yeah, you know, so we have definitely seen, uh, you know, it's, it's been a little harder for our operators to secure the deals and the in the volume that they were doing before. You mm -hmm. know, there's there's a mismatch right now between seller expectations and buyer realities when interest oh, yeah. rates have have doubled, you know, from just six months ago, yeah. and so the deal flow has certainly slowed, and there are some investors feeling that you know, a little bit wary because there were, a lot of folks are in that wait and see mode. It's it's but it's strange because. It, all the signs and all this discomfort, you know, the, the rock in the boat, it feels like a recession, but yet we see there are numbers, people are still spending money and, and buying things. The consumer model, you know, mm -hmm. consumerism hasn't gone anywhere. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But what we have told our investors, you know, we, we've always gone into our deals with, with saying, okay, we expect to be in this deal four to six to seven years. But we had such a good run up in 2020, 21. We were selling these deals in 18 to 24 to 30 months and doing, you know, 35, 40% returns, doubling people's money in that amount of time. And 
and then, and then have another deal right behind that to help to for people to 1031 into and just keep the, keep the party going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I, my philosophy, uh, Bradford, is there will always be business, always. Yep. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I came into the business back in, um, uh, went into the business in 1981 as a broker. Okay, you've and, seen a lot. Oh, God, yeah. In fact, it was just uh, when uh, the presidency of Jimmy Carter were, was at its tail end, and rates okay. were, uh, I think the first transaction I was, and I remember this, was 16% in, in, in purchasing a home at that there you time. Go. And uh, there was a lot of uh, business yet because, you know, people uh, have to, when they have to sell, they have to sell. And, uh, and there are buyers. And, of course, there was a lot of creative financing going on. There was, right. of course, on the up and up, you know. But uh, I tell you what, uh I've seen it all up and down and uh, just uh, and all around. I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I see yeah, so many people got into real estate in, you know, post 2010, yes. and, you know, very low interest rate environment, no. which, you know, you and I knew was a, a, amazing, but we knew it was going to, it was temporary. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, you yeah. know, I bought my first rental in 2002 and I think I was somewhere in the 6% range, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first primary residence was probably, you know, five and a half, six percent And I remember, you know, it, it, rates started to come down. And I started hearing my friends getting sub five. Thought, that's just amazing. I mean, that's free money. How can you, I mean, who, who's lending at that? And it took me a couple of refinances and a couple more purchases before I got my first sub 5% interest rate. And then, you know, post 2010, we're talking about twos and threes. And and so, you know, for now people to kind of, you know, scream out that the sky is falling because we've gone from two and a half to, to five and six. Like, yeah, no, we knew that was a party that wasn't going to last sure, exactly, <laughs> forever. No. And this is not, you know, fives and sixes. I mean, that's nothing compared to what you were starting out with in the in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, goodness. Uh, then, of course, uh, there were some good policies that came into effect by Reagan. And the 1980s were the roaring 80s, they called it, you know, the roaring yeah. 80s. And uh, along the way, I've bought over 40 different properties, um, Bradford, and uh, and I've seen all the market. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, in fact, I think I would have a heart attack. Literally, I'd get sick if I followed the rates every day like some do, you know right, that? Right, right, yep. I, I completely uh, agree. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's, regardless of those rates, there's, there's business to be done. Exactly. Very good. So, um, no, I mean, it's, it's life. That's what life is all about. You know, and life is up and downs, but, and I, and like I said, there's money to be made in a, in, a, in an economy that's uh, in a recession too. There's lots of money to be made. Yep. Uh, from and, and so, yeah. So that's the only thing that we've told our investors is, you know, the, the doubling our money in two years, that was fun. Don't <laughs> we, for reals now expect more like a five, four to five, six year hold. Um, we're just, we're trying to, you know, trim back expectations and how quickly these properties are appreciating. Sure. We have, you know, made sure our operator partners have significant cash reserves in place. So we, we're not doing, you know, we're not at risk of doing capital calls. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make sure these are very well capitalized properties going into them, um, with, with, uh, favorable financing. So we're not at risk of, you know, running into some negative numbers if in interest rate resets. Um, so, you know, you, 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 it doesn't stop us. The, the, yeah, interest rates are higher. Money's a little more expensive, but it doesn't stop us from doing these deals in a way that we can still all benefit significantly from these deals. Exactly. Yeah. No, I appreciate what you're saying there. We, we, you know, to put things in place uh, where, which requires a little bit of forethought, you know, some insight 
answering the question, what if this happens? Well, then you have right. a solution, you know, so you anticipate possible issues that may come up along the way. Yeah. Um, let me ask you and, this. Uh, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, as you can say, you know, we, we, we have always done this in all of our deals since I, I began doing these um, deals in 2017 is sure. in every investor offering package, we put a stress test a sensitivity analysis in that mm. deck. So you can see what, what is my return going to be if occupancy drops to this, if expenses raise to this, okay. if, 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 if interest rates go to this. So there's that sense of, you know, that you can use that sensitivity analysis to see, okay, man, we've got to drop to like 80% occupancy or expenses have to jump to this before to, to just to hit our break even number. Mm -hmm. And so we, 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 we put that sensitivity analysis in there to help people really see how well we're trying to manage for the downside, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in that what if scenario. And we've always done that, even, you know, even in you know, 2017, 18, 19, 20, when it was just a heyday, um, to just show people, you know, it's really apocalyptic type scenarios for these things to start falling apart in the mm -hmm. way that we're structuring our and our operator partners are structuring these deals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fluid and uh, that's brilliant thinking though, to, to, uh, to uh, modify what you're doing, you know, uh, uh, compared to what's happening economically and so forth. That's great. I I, I got to appreciate that. Uh, that resonates with me. I'll tell you that right now. You are listening to Your Lot and Parcel podcast. We invite you to tell a friend and to leave a rating and your commentary. We thank you in advance. We are spending time with the co-manager of Sugar House Investments, and he is sharing with us how you can build long-term passive income in four easy steps. He invites you to spend time doing what you love as you enjoy regular cash flow and let Sugar House Investments and your money do the work for you. And you will find his contact information in the show notes. Here he is again, Bradford Shepard. Um, let me ask you, uh, how does this, uh, your program that you have in place, how does it compare with the stock market? Yeah, <laughs> I, I clearly I am biased. So I'll, I'll yeah. lead with that. Exactly. <laughs> but I I like hard mm. assets mm -hmm. that are well insured in, in high growth areas that I can understand. Real estate, you know, when you're talking about an apartment complex, self-storage, it's not rocket science. It's you have a property, it costs you this much to maintain it, and you can rent it out for this much. And if, as long as there's, there's a decent spread in there, there's money to be made. And that's it. When mm -hmm. it comes to uh, the stocks, you know, you, we, we hear it over and over again, right? You, you, you might as well just go and buy an index fund as opposed to choosing individual stocks because no, you're, you're not going to beat the full timers that are, you know, that are right there in New York with, you mm -hmm. know, the, 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 the massively fast connections to those, those, you know, and, and computer programmed uh, trades, you just can't beat those. Right. And so you know, there's not, there's not even any sense in trying. And, it, you know, so, so there's, I mean, talk about giving up control. You've, you, you, it's sure, you know, stock market is passive. It's, <laughs> liquid. So that's, you know, that's a pro compared to the mm -hmm. real estate where it's not liquid. Um, but it can also be a con because we see that a lot of people sell in down markets when they should mm -hmm. be buying and or holding. Yeah. Um, return wise, you know, I talked about what we've been able to do with our deals, you know, 
if if the average twenty year return on in in the stock market is is, is you know I hear different numbers, but nine to twelve percent are the numbers you generally hear in, on an annualized return. You know, we're we're blowing that out of the water. And 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 the last thing I'd say is I have had stocks go to zero. Right, I mm-hmm. own stocks in my in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and I remember one of them specifically. I was where I was trying to choose and pick stocks. I had some Delta stock. They bankrupted and went, you know, that I got nothing. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that, that account went to zero. Mm-hmm. You it, with real estate, I mean, even if the thing burns down or gets blown over by a hurricane, you've got the insurance, <laughs> That's right? Right, right. You still and, get and the so, land there. Yeah. Exactly. It, mm-hmm. You can't have an operator put it in a suitcase and run off to the Bahamas. Um, you know, yeah, you, you've yeah. got this hard physical asset that you can drive to, <laughs> put your finger on it, and say, I own a slice of this yeah. well-insured, well, well-operated bu- building. And, um, and that generates really solid returns for me. I, that I find much more comfort in that than buying an index fund or yeah. especially an individual stock. Exactly. So as far as I know, there's no more land being created. So there I you think go. you're, you're, you're in a sweet spot, you know, when you're able to own property like that, right. I have, I have, uh, uh, played the markets and everything, but uh, I, I could never find within me to let somebody handle my decision making. Okay. I, 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 I learned that's me, but I, I learned uh, how to how to play the market. Uh, and not everybody can learn that. Uh, I'm not saying I'm special or nothing, but I developed my own system uh, to ride the market, uh, the, the waves of the market, where you can go long or short and so forth. Okay. But, uh, I tell you what, it takes a toll on your emotions, though, and that's what I couldn't handle. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, know, talk so about should... watching markets every day. Oh, day God, and day yeah, out. that's right. So you know, should I get out today or tomorrow? I always right. get out before the weekend. Oh, that was just too much for me. I, yeah. I, I couldn't. Uh, I didn't want to live that way. But uh, and I did well. I did well. But the, the money's okay. not worth it. Worth my health at all, to be honest with you. And, and, uh, and you know, that's what I found. I'm clearly some people do really well with it, and more power to them. Um, and if you know, I, I I know some day traders that are you know they're 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 doing it for two or three hours a day, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. great, cool. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, that does feel really stressful. I've got a young family. I've got two little kids. I don't want to. You know, I I don't. My my risk profile changed when mm-hmm. when they, when the kids came along. As well as the number of hours I'm willing to dedicate to my career, because I want to be, you know, this this morning my wife wasn't feeling well, and I was able to take my kids to go drop them off at school and hang out with them for a little bit and take my sweet time get getting back home, and I love that that flexibility. I don't have to run back here to you know <laughs> execute some trades or close a position or anything like that. Exactly. No, I uh, I understand that, and uh, when I was doing it, I, I had to get up pretty early because of the East Coast, right? Uh, yeah, I, I've that's been right. in California. And, I had to start off at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and very high stressful uh, uh, point, you know, it was just, it was just too much for me, but, okay. uh, but that's, that's how it is. But anyway, let me ask you this. Uh, you touched on long term capital gains. Uh, what else can you tell us about these tax benefits when, in, in what you do? Yeah. You know, we, we generally are working with high income earners, you know, like it or like it or not, most of these deals are only available to accredited investors. Not to say all of them, but most of mm-hmm. them. And so these are individuals that have a fair amount of tax exposure. They like the idea of investing in real estate and directly into real estate, as opposed to for for uh, maybe a, a REIT, for example, where the direct ownership provides those the tax benefits of direct ownership, primarily passive losses. And so, you know, we we go into each deal 
they're they're large enough to warrant doing what's called a cost segregation study, which simply means we're able to depreciate the assets on their own in the different elements of that property at their at their own uh, depreciation schedule. So we're able to take uh, significant amounts of depreciation right there in year one, in year mm -hmm. two and three and four and five, while we own it. So even though we're getting monthly cash flow, we are able to share with the investors a significant paper loss on that K-1 statement that they receive from us at the closing of the tax year. And so then they're able to take that passive loss and apply that towards any other passive gains that they may have to offset those potential tax that mm -hmm. that potential tax exposure. That said, I'm not a, I'm not a tax advisor, and I'm not sure, saying that's sure. you know you know a, a, a slam dunk. So everybody yeah. because everybody's scenario is different, but yeah. we do we are generating on each of the properties that we own and, and participate in significant passive losses on that K1 mm -hmm. um, that can be really beneficial for high income earners who may have. Uh, other investments that are generating significant passive gains on those on those uh, tax statements. Mm -hmm. So that, that's that that's um, the the biggest tax benefit. Of course, when we sell the property, there is a depreciation recapture, and so then there's that exposure. We almost all of our deals we were able to provide a 1031 opportunity to the investors. Yeah, yeah. and so then they can just you know kick that can down the road even further and defer mm -hmm. defer defer. Um, so you, 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 you do really well with the property in two to three years, that operator has another deal right lined up right behind that. You just say, yep, 1031 me into that one. And now you're in that deal at a higher basis because you got a good return from the first property. You roll all of that into that next deal and just kick that, um, mm -hmm. that, that tax effect further down the road. There you go. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that. 1031 is really a, a legacy building tool is what that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And yep. uh, you can use it to your advantage. Uh, so uh, let's say I'm an investor and I want to be part of your program. What kind of capital do would you accept? Cash, IRAs, four hundred one k's? What do you? How do you work that? Yeah, we like we like capital in all in all forms. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, especially cash. Yeah. Um, but I'd say probably more than half. Uh, maybe, maybe right around half of the the capital that is invested co is coming through some type of um, tax deferred or, or tax advantaged account, like an IRA or a four hundred one k. And and so you know, an investor can go in straight with cash and get those tax benefits that we were talking about. Uh, my wife and I, we have our IRAs invested in these is, is exclusively. Uh, we even have our HSA account in, invested in these syndications. That's that surprises a lot of people. Yes, you can self-direct HSA accounts, um, and so we've got that invested into, into this deal, into these deals. Mm -hmm. um, and and so uh, you know, a business owner may have a solo 401k, they can direct out those funds into these syndications as well. Mm -hmm. There are some caveats to be aware of specifically with the IRAs, because you're buying a, a property that mm -hmm. is financed primarily by a bank loan. Mm -hmm. And so the IRS has some rules about if you if your IRA receives returns that are partially fueled by debt, that means your IRA would now have to file a income tax return. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's a caveat to be aware of, to discuss with your CPA. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can be a little bit of a hassle. Um, and so, you know, some of our operators stopped accepting IRA money. Most of them still do. Um, it, it does require a bit of you know, coordinating with your custodian to make that make that happen, and so you know, the, not every operator is willing to uh, to to go through that mm-hmm. um, that process. Um, but most of them are. So, cash is always the easiest, and but then certainly we we welcome the IRA and, and the four hundred one k money as long as people come in with the clear understanding of potential right. implications of using an IRA fund or IRA account uh, when investing in a, an asset that has that is backed by debt. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Always consult your CPA or your tax attorney and uh, be able to make some uh, some good decisions there. Absolutely. And then you don't have to worry about those 1031s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have had some operators where they weren't able to line up a 1031 deal after, uh, you know, that previous deal closed. Mm-hmm. That money comes back into my uh, into my Roth or my HSA. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I have to think about that. Um that that tax return if i'm if uh, filing that um it's if if that's applicable but otherwise that's it you know then i just take that money and roll in roll into the next deal with a different operator or what have you and um go from there there you go very good absolutely um bradford uh, historically speaking uh, in terms of strong cash flow uh, what type of properties would you be looking at and also would have projected uh, or to be expect to have uh, good performance in the future yeah so we have done as far as the deals that we've put in front of our investors we we yeah. primarily offer multifamily apartments uh-huh. so these are you know 150 200 units and above um we we've done really well with a couple of self-storage operator partners and we've done mm-hmm. a couple of deals in the mobile home space as well mm-hmm. Multifamily tends to be most popular with our investors because it's an easy get. You know, everybody's most most people have lived in an apartment one time in their life or another, mm-hmm. and so we we understand how that works. Self storage, more and more people are understand how that works. Mobile home park, maybe not quite as popular, but it can be very lucrative. Um, maybe not as popular because it's you know you don't really you know it's not something you brag about to to, to your sure. country club friends. Sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. But the returns can be really really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, we like you know the. the for us, when we're vetting a deal, it's first all about the operator team, right? We 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 want to know them inside and out, right. and then we're looking at the market. We want we're, we want to invest in high growth markets. There's a lot of job growth, a lot of population, which is which drives population growth, which drives mm-hmm. people need a place to live or people need a place to store their stuff. Um, and and then we look at the deal. When you know, what are the specifics mm-hmm. about this deal in this neighborhood that made this deal attractive? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we also like those. Um, investing in places or buying properties that we would feel okay moving our families into. So we're not buying in the war zones. We're not buying deep value add properties that need a ton of work that are really rough, rough neighborhoods. Yes, you can make a lot of money on those, but they they carry more risk as well. So, you know, generally we're talking about C plus properties, B minus properties that we want to take up a notch, take a C minus, take a C plus to a, to a B minus or a B minus to a B plus. Um, And, and, you know, these are going to be, attract people who are going to be there for a while. They're long-term renters um, in, in good neighborhoods and low expenses. And you can make quite a you know good cash flow with those over the life of the property. Mm-hmm. 
the the, the deals that I've done where I, I my my very first deal that I got invested in uh, jumped in in as a as a limited partner where it was you know I wanted to see how this works I wanted to see how that operator handled things sure. a deep value add with a lot of new development elements to it as well mm-hmm. and it went horribly wrong. <laughs> so yeah. I learned a ton from that, but, yeah. uh, you know, so we don't offer those type of deals to our investors. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's a good model, uh, to have, um, because, um, well, you know, I, I, I look at what I've invested in and it's, uh, yeah, and properties that uh, you needed a little bit, you know, but mainly cosmetic, you right. know, yep. and no rebuilding the structure, the foundation, nothing, nothing heavy like that. Yeah. So uh, it's amazing that the rent premiums you can get just by swapping out the you know the laminate countertops to oh, a hard yeah. stone yeah. And, and upgrading you know, make make a dog park, <laughs> mm-hmm. install the Amazon lockers, you know, make a nice uh, the country the yeah. the clubhouse a little bit better and all of a sudden you can charge 100 100 to 200 dollars more a month per unit and that you know that's a massive return on a 200 300 unit complex. Exactly. And we were talking about the recession too. Uh, in the recession rents go up. So, uh, which is a, you know, a plus, you know, but like I always say, there's always an upside to a downside, but the rents do go up during a recession. So uh, you can't go wrong there. So uh, let me ask you, um, Bradford, uh, would you uh, be so uh, kind and share maybe a recent project for us? Yeah, we, um, you know, the, the most recent ones that we have um, participated in, mm-hmm. we, we like Texas. Okay. We like we like Phoenix. Uh, those have been really popular with with our uh, with our um, with our investors, mm-hmm. and we've we've done well in each of the Texas markets from Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. Um, one I'm thinking about uh, recently. We just closed this past summer. We we put two apartment complexes together in downtown Austin and, and, and made a portfolio of it. Mm-hmm. So two separate addresses that are less than a mile apart. Uh, they were owned by the same um, owner who was was the seller at the time. Mm-hmm. So we went in there with our operator team and purchased both units, offered it to our investor database as a, a portfolio um, of, of these two properties. So I really like that, uh, that creativity there. Um, you've got two different properties. They're going to have the same management, but they have a little bit different profile and, sure. and style. Um, and that one, we, so we just closed on that one in, in July of this year. And, and, you know, in the middle of executing the business plan right now to go in there and bring it up to mm-hmm. what people expect for a downtown or just outside of downtown apartment in Austin, Texas in 2022 and 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one's been really fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have one of our longest operator partners that we've done well with. Uh, thinking about an opportunity we did there, we we um, sold, sold a property in Dallas and then those investors were able to roll their funds into a, a five apartment complex portfolio as well. Um, and, and so now they went from owning one unit to, or, you know, one property to owning five with their, with the returns they were able to generate from that first one. Mm. Um, and so our, you know, our investors have been really happy with, with, with that one as well as that, that five unit um, or that five property portfolio has done well for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun to see, you can, you can get really creative with these, um, 
you know, buying a single asset, buying a portfolio, do, participating in a fund. Um, it really is, you know, something for everybody. Um, and, and so far we have, you know, we, we've, uh, all of the deals that we've been in, uh, involved in have done really, really well and have exceeded expectations to one degree or another. So we've, we've been really fortunate to that degree. That's great. Well, that's commendable, uh, Bradford, uh, especially to give others the opportunity to uh, have their their uh, investments grow like that. That's really good. I, I like that. And uh, Texas is a good state. Arizona is a good state for that, for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, they they've done well for us. We we yeah. we buy we we like have done you know focus primarily on the southern states, Arizona, Texas. Mm-hmm. We've got properties in Florida and Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and 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 you know those are just again just the high growth markets. A lot of a lot of companies moving there, which means a lot of people moving there, which means people need a place to live. And so these uh we've yeah. done well with those. Yeah, no, yet uh, well, that's great. I mean. Uh, how can uh, how can my audience uh, reach out to you to to get a little more information to feel comfortable with uh, your model of your program there? Sure. Best place to connect with us is at our website sugarhouseinvestments.com, sugarhouseinvestments. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know you can just kind of we we post a lot of content there uh, so you can kind of get a sense of how we work and what our model is like. Um, you can easily just enter your email address there to get onto our email distribution list. So you see what kinds of deals we're putting out there to our investors mm-hmm. on a regular day-to-day basis. I like to hang out on the real estate conversations happening on Twitter. There's really fun, mm-hmm. engaging, yeah. insightful, surprisingly mm-hmm. insightful conversations happening there. So mm-hmm. if anybody's active on Twitter, I'm at Brad Shep on Twitter. Would love to connect with you there as well. Good. Very good. Sugar house. Yeah, yes. well, I, I like that name. Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, some sweet investments. Just get over that's, Bradford. That's right. That's Don't right. My, <laughs> my wife and I are we're both originally from Utah, uh-huh. and we so we left we left there in 2010. But we we really like our favorite neighborhood in, in Salt Lake City is called Sugar House. Oh, and so okay. When we okay. when it came time to name our company, it was a little bit of a nod to yeah. <laughs> to our yeah, roots. Yeah, yeah. Roots. I, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that very much, uh, Bradford. Oh, thank you. I want to thank you for coming on your lot and parcel show. I think what you had to say is encouraging. Give some folks out there the uh, some options. And I, I think uh, you do have a good uh, business model going for you and your syndication. So I commend you for that. And I wish you uh, the best of uh, everything, Bradford. Well, thank you. Again, I really do appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Thank you very much for the great conversation. And, and likewise, my best to you as well. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.